So this morning's reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33, and it can be found on page uh, 1176 in the Church Bibles. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless." In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. May our hearts be open to your word, and your word open to our hearts. As we consider marriage today, may those of us who are married learn more about it and how to love our spouses better. (laughs) Those of us who aren't, may we honour the institution of marriage. And all of us, as we reflect on you, Lord Jesus, being our head and us your bride, may that deepen in us today as well. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. That was interesting. So the plural spouse is spice. <clears throat> well, you heard it here first. Uh, yes, I'm going to be speaking on uh, the marriage relationship today as we work through our series in Ephesians. I thought I ought to say right at the start, just for those of you who don't know who I am, so my name is Matt Baker, I'm part of the PCC and the Leaders' Council here in St. John's, uh, and I've been married to Helen uh, for 23 years, nearly, in August. Uh, She's sitting up in the balcony today. Uh, And we've got three sons who range in age from 11 to 19. So that's just a little bit, for those of you who don't know, and I'll be speaking on marriage today. I appreciate, as we look at this, not all of us are married, and not all of us will be married in this church. I'm also very aware, and Chris mentioned it at the start, that there are some here who are widowed, uh, there are some here who are divorced, There are some who have had and may still have a a difficult marriage as well. Also, as we look in this passage, which is really putting up a very high ideal of marriage, it's looking for the, the perfect marriage, and none of us here have a perfect marriage at all. 
It's talking about marriage in a Christian context, and so there may be some here where you're a Christian and your husband or wife isn't. So I'm aware of all of that as we look this morning at this subject. This is not the St. John's Guide to Marriage. I don't know if one of those exists anyway, but that's not what you're going to get today. Nor is this a a marriage preparation uh, series of talks, or is it a, a marriage seminar either. But what Eddie didn't know when he asked me to, to preach on this as part of our series, and I said it to Eddie, Eddie privately, but I do feel really honoured to be asked to speak about marriage here in the church. What Eddie didn't know is when Helen and I got married 23 years ago, <clears throat> this passage, whilst it wasn't read out as part of our wedding, we wrote our own vows, so we included some of the traditional vows, but we also deliberately, 23 years ago, included verses from this passage in our vows. And so some of what I'm going to bring today is, is very personal. We've spoken in the ministry team about wanting more testimonies in church from the front. So what you're going to get today is a preach, but it's also mixed with some of our own personal testimony as well. And I'd ask you just to take that. This is our journey as we have grappled with these verses in 21st century Britain, with all the differences and changes that have gone on since these words were written. If things do get stirred up for all the different reasons that you may have, we are pastorally sensitive to that as a church, and if you want to pray through things afterwards, please come and speak to one of us. Speak to anybody you've seen out the front, myself, there's a prayer area over there. And having said that we're not all married, and some here have no intention of ever being married perhaps, I think it's good that we're looking at marriage as a church, as a body together. If you think the letter to the Ephesians, they didn't say at this point, like all of those of you who aren't married just leave the room now whilst this letter is read out. I think it's really healthy, don't you, that as a church we look at marriage together in the same way that we consider singleness as a church together, for example. So these are the three points I'm going to draw out over the next 25 minutes, if you can just put them up up quickly. I'm going to talk about mutually submitting, I'm going to talk about being the head of the marriage, and I'm going to talk about loving like Christ. So I'm going to hit what I think are the key points in this passage. Let's start then with mutual submission. Verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence, out of respect, out of awe for Jesus, submit to one another. In some Bibles, it's been broken up so that this verse kind of goes into the previous passage, but it very much introduces everything that follows when we start to look at relationships. In fact, verse 21 and the whole thing of submitting, mutually submitting, and I'll expound on that a little bit in a minute, is linked into verse 18, which says we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In order to mutually submit to one another in relationships, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit in an ongoing way, day by day. That's what empowers us to mutually submit. What do I mean by that phrase? Well, I suggest it's a loving 
considerate, self-giving attitude to others. And we're specifically going to think about that in terms of the marriage relationship. But can I take us back, and I've got two pictures I want to put up, because I think all relationships, all human relationships, we need to reflect on God. And we need to reflect on the Trinity. It says back in Genesis that we are made in his image as male and female. So here we have up here a fairly traditional Western painting of the Trinity. You can find this in, in Bayer in France in the cathedral. <clears throat> and there you'll see this enormous throne, much bigger than anybody sitting on this throne. This enormous throne. And there on the throne we have, uh, we have Father God, the main kind of character, dressed in, in green there. Uh, then you have Jesus on the cross being crucified. I'm not sure from the picture whether he's alive or dead at this point in this painting. And there you have, in the middle, that kind of white bit is, is the dove representing the Holy Spirit. Big, and these are, this is my language now, so just I suggest to you how you could take this, but a big authoritative green figure, Father God, sitting on a throne that's much, much bigger than him, with Jesus being crucified and the Holy Spirit almost perhaps as a bit of an afterthought. Arguably, quite hierarchical, even authoritarian as a painting. Now, I don't want to criticise this too much, and you know, I'm sure the guy who painted it is a lovely guy. The trouble is, I've seen some marriages, inverted commas, run like this. I'm the boss, I'm the one on the throne... You do as you're told. This is the picture of the Trinity that I prefer. If you can put this one up. You may have seen this before. This is known as the Rublev icon. uh, Painted by Andrei Rublev in uh, 1411, somewhere around there. You'll find this in, in Moscow. Here you have three, the three persons of the Trinity. Equal in terms of their size, gathered together in relationship around a communion chalice. And in fact, the the shape that goes around that chalice very cleverly is painted in communion as well. It's hard to work out which one is the Father, which one is the Son, which one is the Holy Spirit. Now, you can do that because you can look at the clues. So you see there's there's a house there. Well, that's suggesting that the person in front is the father, because that's my father's house. In the middle you have Jesus with the tree of life behind. And on the other side, process of elimination, but also perhaps the, the staff there is the Holy Spirit comforting. Father, Son and Holy Spirit in relationship together. Yes, there's an inclination of the head from the Son and the Holy Spirit towards the Father. But very much... Mutually submitting and loving one another. Theologians sometimes speak about, within the Trinity, a dance going on. I love a picture of a dance. Of Father, Son and Holy Spirit dancing together. And at different times in the dance, a different one of them comes to the fore. It's kind of, if you want to call it this, a hierarchy of, of purpose. So the times when Jesus will come to the fore. 
for his time on earth to go to the cross and be crucified for us and raised from the dead. Times when the Holy Spirit will come to the fore for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to give us gifts and to to bring us to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Times when the Father will come to the fore as as the creator, etc., etc. I like that picture in terms of a mutual love, a mutual submission. I'm going to leave those pictures up there as we move into looking at the next couple of bits of this passage. I think we would do well to reflect on that in all of our relationships, what it means to be Christian as we reflect on the love that there is between the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit in marriage and in other relationships as well. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which, we, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. The context in which Paul is writing here, 2,000 years ago, is a very patriarchal and hierarchical society. Women were very much treated as second-class citizens by a lot of people. Paul is speaking into that context all those years ago. These verses uh, refer to being the the head. And there's been lots of uh, discussion and theologians and biblical scholars have debated this, particularly over the last 20 or 30 years ago, what this term head means. And I don't want to bamboozle you too much. But some go down the, the, uh, what you might say, the more traditional route that it means authority. Others have said it means to do with source, like the the head of a river, the source of a river. Again, you don't have to agree with me, but this is where I go with this. But looking at how the word is used, looking at scripture, looking at the context of the passage, I think it is talking with that word authority rather than source. I don't think you can get away from it here. When we refer to Jesus, we are talking about him being the head of the church in that sense of leadership. Yes, he nourishes. Yes, of course, we get our faith from him in terms of source. But predominantly, this seems to be talking about leadership and head and authority in that way. If you're married, I suggest you take this passage away, pray about it together, and ask the Lord to show you how can we apply this in our 21st century marriage. Because life is different. Life is different now to how this was written 2,000 years ago. Thank the Lord that it's different. Thank the Lord that women aren't treated as second-class citizens. At least not in the West, I hope. We have a female prime minister. We have women in church in leadership as well. But take these verses... And say, in our marriage, and that's what I'm speaking about now, not leadership outside in the church or outside, but I'm talking about marriage. What does this mean? Well, this is where I get personal. I get personal on Helen's behalf, and she's heard everything I'm going to say this morning. When we got married, this is what Helen said in her vows. She held my hands, gazed lovingly into my eyes, She did, and she still does. I tried to dig out the wedding video. I couldn't find this bit on it. All I could find is 
is me with a motorbike and lots of hair and me dancing to Wham at the reception. (laughs) Two of those three things have gone, by the way. I don't have a motorbike, I haven't got much hair, but I still dance to Wham. (laughs) Anyhow, I did find our vows written down, and this is what Helen said to me. I was, amongst other things, amongst the traditional stuff, I will submit to you out of reverence for Christ, verse 21, and I acknowledge that as my husband, you are the head of our marriage, just as Christ is the head of the church. So how have we worked that out? Well, I'm Matt, not Helen. So you have to ask Helen how that relates for her. I'm really pleased this evening we've got Louis and Victoria speaking and you'll hear a female perspective on these verses as well. Let me tell you how I've seen it working out. First of all, I have never and ever would say, Helen, I'm the head of this marriage, you will obey me. I have never said that. Have I, Helen? (laughs) And I never would. And actually, and there was lots of discussion with the the, the traditional vows about obey being in there. But again, personal reflection, I don't think obey is in Scripture for wives towards husbands, actually. It is in the next few verses, we'll look at it probably next week, children obey your parents. But a wife isn't told in that sense to obey their husband. I don't think it means that. Let me turn it around. Those of us who are husbands here, this is what I think it means. I think, I think with leadership and authority comes responsibility. I have a responsibility, I believe, as the head of our marriage and the head of our family, to pray and to cover and to look after my family. I once preached in a church um, probably about 10 years ago now, not too far from here. It was a men's meeting I was at. And as I turned up, uh, the guys didn't know who I was other than the person who invited me. And as I turned up, I got out of the car and I'm walking along and I bumped into another guy. And he said to me, so is this your wife's church then? And I smiled and said, no, 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 I'm the speaker today. Is this your wife's church? There's an attitude, I think still, that, that church is for, is for women and children. And something in me kicks against that. I want to encourage men to stand up for their faith and say, no, I own my faith. That's why I love what I'm doing in terms of football. But I think that's true in the home as well. I want my boys, and I know I referred to them already, I want my boys to see their dad with the Bible open in the home, studying the word of God. I want my boys to know that there are times when I get on my knees and I cry out in prayer for them. And I do believe... Disagree with me or not, but I have a responsibility and authority there. When things are not working out in our home, I take it on in prayer. Not perfectly. Please don't get any understanding that I am perfect in this. But I do passionately believe this. Sometimes, Helen has said to me, the stuff going on with the boys, the stuff going on in the house that I'm not happy with. You're the head of the marriage. You're the head of the family. Will you go around the house and anoint? in the house. Now, make of that whatever you want to theologically, but I've gone around the house several times and I've anointed around the boundaries. And I've said, in the name of Jesus, anything's going on, you're not welcome here. Jesus is the head of this house. I am the earthly head of this house and won't have this going on. I think, men, we need to stand up to that more and more. 
there have been times when there have been decisions. I remember one particular decision about moving house. I won't give you all the details because I haven't got time. But about 10 years ago, we were considering moving house. We laid it out for the, between, before the Lord for him to answer us in certain ways over the next couple of weeks. And it was very clear to me that the Lord said, no, don't move. Stay where you are. And I said to Helen, and, and she agreed that the Lord had been saying this, but there was a little bit of struggle there. And I said, no, I, th- I really believe that as the Lord has said this, this is what we should do. I was exercising some, exercising some kind of leadership there in the family. And, well, the rest of history, I think we're in the right place still, 10 years on. It's where God wanted us to be. Enough on that. Let's move on to the third and final point, which is this. Husbands, love your wives. In fact, from verses 25 through to 33, love is there seven times, if I've counted correctly. That's a fairly spiritual number, isn't it? This is the real challenge. Paul was writing in a very submission understanding culture all those years ago what would the hearers be expecting to hear at this point when Paul has just spoken about the head of the marriage I suggest they would have been expecting to hear now and this is how you exercise your authority as the head of the marriage but Paul doesn't do that he's incredibly radical he turns it completely on its head And he talks about loving your wife in the same way that Christ loves the church. Paul weaves, of course, in and out here between Christ and the church and husbands and wives. And you can't apply all of this, of course, because verse 26 talks, for example, about uh, the washing with water through the word. Now, we we don't do that with our wives in that sense. Reference to baptism and preaching the word. That's not what it's saying. But it is about love. The principle to me, husbands, is very clear and demanding. Husbands, love your wives as your own bodies. I know some here work out in the gym. You enjoy going down the gym, you look after your bodies. We should love our wives in the same way as we love our own bodies. To nourish, to protect, to care for. And now, my vow, I've told you what Helen's was, this was mine as I gazed lovingly into her eyes. I will submit to you out of reverence for Christ, verse 21, and I will love you as my wife, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Let's just climb away from earthly marriage for a moment and reflect on what that is saying. Church, let's just reflect on Jesus. We're going to do that when we come to communion. Us as his bride, we are his bride corporately, church. We respond to Jesus in obedience and submission. Why? Because he laid down his life for us. Gave it all for us. When we come to the communion table, that's what we're remembering. Church, if we struggle with things... Corporately, if we struggle with things, if we struggle with, I don't know, tithing, if we struggle with outreach, just stop a moment and think, what has Jesus done for us, his church? 
He's laid down his life for us. If we take nothing else away from this sermon, and I hope you do take something else away, but if you take nothing else away, all of us, married or not, reflect this week on what Jesus has done for us. But let's come back to husbands and wives as I come to a conclusion. Agape love. Sacrificial, self-giving, preferring the other person, love. And I want to leave you with three quick examples myself. Again, don't get the idea I am perfect in this. I am not. Helen and I joked about it this morning. I'm not, you know, it's not in our house that I get up in the morning and Helen says, where are you? I'm just thinking of how I can love you today, Helen, like Christ loved the church. (laughs) And she responds, that's all right, I'm thinking about submitting to you for the week. It doesn't work like that. (laughs) We are not morning people in our house. On a scale of one to ten, ten meaning you jump out of bed, you're all excited at five in the morning and say, hey, come on world, what have you got? And one, meaning you get kicked out of the bed. Our family, and I mean all of us, none of us would score higher than three, I don't think. Some of us, who shall remain nameless, will be on the minus scale in the morning. (laughs) Yet, and this isn't a boast, this is just how it is. When the alarm goes off, I get up and I make Helen a cup of tea in bed. Ah. Generally, that's the rule. Sometimes if I'm feeling ill or I had a really late night, she'll do it. But generally, nearly all the time, I make Helen a cup of tea in bed. Because it makes her day a bit better. Because I love her. Because I want to prefer her needs ahead of mine. Silly example, maybe other end of the spectrum we've had this discussion because these verses mean a lot to us we've had it several times in our marriage Helen if a bus or a lorry was to come round the corner heading towards us do you want me to push you out of the way and dive in front of the bus to save you from it now in the early days of our marriage Helen said no I don't want you to do that because you'll die before me you're going to heaven then I've got to grieve you but we've moved on from that now We're a bit less spiritual, more pragmatic now. And Helen says, no, I want you to take the bus for me. Take one for the team. Now, I'm sure this will never happen. But there's an attitude there where we said, actually, I will lay down my life for you if it comes to that. Because I believe that's what I'm called to do as your husband. To put you before everything else. Two extremes there. That's why I'm saying to those of us here, take it away. If you agree with anything I'm saying and just lay that before the Lord and say, how does it apply to you? This is a very personal one, but I'll just show that this is ongoing, I think. I think all of us as husbands should be asking the Lord, how can I love my wife more? Like Christ loved the church. 
I had a review of my own ministry uh, about a month or so ago. And the guy said to me, what's the biggest challenge that you've had this last 12 months? And I said, the biggest challenge for me has been Helen's mum dying back in February, March time. Because Helen was really close to her mum and really misses her. And I can't replace her mum. I can't be the other end of the phone like her mum was. But I'm genuinely saying to the Lord, how can I love Helen more now than I did 23 years ago? Because she really needs me to love her in a new way. How can I love her as you, Lord, love the church in a new way? And I can't give you the answer to that because I'm still working it out. But I think that's a question we all need to be asking in our marriages. I'm going to come to a close and I'm going to hand back for communion. I hope, I know that's been quite challenging. I hope it's been inspiring. As I say, you don't have to agree with me on all of this. It's just us grappling very honestly in a very different world now to when this was written but trying to take what we see as the spiritual truths on board in this 21st world, century world. May we love one another. May we mutually submit as the Trinity does. May we all experience agape love in our marriage. And may we remember and reflect on how much Jesus has done and in a sense continues to do for us as his bride. Thank you for listening. Amen.